everyone, welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back after an international break and ready to preview game week nine. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined as ever by the Jack Grealish to my Mason Mount. It's Andy Case. Andy, you are one of the rare breeds of, 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 of Premier League football fan, at least, that, that quite likes the international break. So how did you find, find this one? Yeah, I mean, as much as it's can be frustrating watching England at times. I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy um, the internationals. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's a bit of you that almost feels guilty because of the just the sheer pile-up of fixtures and the kind of it feeling so unnecessary at points to be, to be having so many, many games and and international games, particularly one of them being a friendly. But um, so that took took the shine off it a little bit. But um, it was good to see a few players in particular kind of get a bit more game time for the national team. And um, yeah, it did. It did. Although the downside, another downside is it made last weekend a little bit more boring, particularly in lockdown. Right. So as much as I do like watching England, I I don't like the um, the lack of uh, spread of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think obviously an international break during a pandemic when players are, are flying around, flying around the globe is 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 not necessarily the one. Um, but but yeah, it was it it, it was fairly interesting. I, I I especially found found a little bit of comfort watching some of the home nations in the in their sort of in their Euro playoffs um, and seeing seeing Scotland qualify. Obviously, with the prospect of of, of being in England's group at the Euros is obviously. Uh, incredibly exciting, and, and the, I posted a, a, a GIF on Twitter saying, "Never forget," and, and, and a GIF of Gaza absolutely mugging off Colin Hendry, and I ended up on a call with a, with a Scot the next day who had been stalking my Twitter. So he wasn't that wasn't a wasn't a great a great start um, to, 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 to to meeting new people, but 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 never mind. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't hold it against me too much, but I think I, th- I think we're both going to be pretty excited uh, for the Euros and, and that prospect. But anyway. We better return to talking about FPL um, because, as as we said at the top of the show, it's game week nine, and and there, there does seem to be lots lots of FPL news, particularly in terms of injuries and and, and COVID tests. Um, so, as ever on our preview shows, we will run down the week's fixtures and have a quick look at at the week's talking points, including uh, so, some of the injury news. We've got a few players on the radar, um, some that we've discussed before, and some that we have yet to discuss. So that'll be that'll be a decent. A decent look at uh, some new players that you could be getting into your into your teams. We've got a an interesting swimming against the tide this week, where we're going to pick two players, and then we round off our preview shows with a look at the captaincy picks and playing who the heck is stat. So, without further ado, the game week fixtures start this Saturday at 12:30, which means your FPL deadline is 11 o'clock. Plenty of time to make make a coffee and some toast in the morning while. Uh, fixing and fiddling with your FPL teams. We kick off with Newcastle, Chelsea, and then Villa, Brighton, Spurs, Man City is probably the game of the weekend at 5.30, followed by Man United, West Brom on Saturday evening. Moving on to Sunday, it's Fulham versus Everton, Sheffield United versus West Ham, Leeds versus Arsenal, and Liverpool versus Leicester. And then two Monday night football games, Burnley versus Crystal Palace, followed by Wolves versus Southampton. So, Andy, um, there have been a lot of injury news over the international break, particularly also related to to some players coming back with positive coronavirus tests. It does appear that Liverpool have been especially hit by this, and and, and I'm sure Liverpool fans will be, um, you know, sc- screaming screaming at us virtually 
um, uh, lamenting, I guess, some of the, some of the rotten luck that essentially the, that they've had over the international period. Um, but I guess we wanted to to highlight perhaps you know, some slight trends that we saw at the start of the international break um, in terms of FPL managers seeming seeming to make quite a few moves at the start. We were seeing quite a lot of price rises at the start of the international break. Um, but you know, we have always been fairly safe and always kind of say wait and see what happens, particularly when there is a lengthy break like this and 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 this is the reason why i guess well yeah absolutely we don't we don't want to sound too smug and nor and nor do i want to sound too much like a bitter man united fan when i say you know my heart is not going to bleed for liverpool fans who are upset about the number of injuries they've got um given what they've been able to watch their team produce over the last couple of years and and the trophies that they've won so you know, as as a Manchester United fan growing up in the 90s and the noughties, didn't get much sympathy out of fans of other teams. And so I'm, I make no bones about giving very little sympathy out to Liverpool fans right now. Um, but yes, we, we, we you know, the, it's hard in any year when there's international breaks to, to work out what might happen after those and how to what to do with your fantasy teams so far in advance. So it's generally advisable. But like we've said in many uh, review shows, um, you know, generally advisable to, to, to kind of wait, but particularly in a time of coronavirus as well. And we've seen so many examples over this most recent one of, like you say, players coming back injured, some players coming back, um, having having tested positive. So um, it's it can leave a, a lot of, of real teams, um, uh, you know, a bit low on numbers. And, and it, obviously it seems like it will do because there's a few sort of premium players um you know, that will mean that there's fantasy managers scratching their heads as well. I guess, you know, we will probably get onto this uh, a little bit later in the show, but but you know, if, if a player does test positive for COVID and, and, and is going to be out for a week and they are a premium asset, we were talking sort of you know, over 10 million, would you, you know, look to transfer them out? I guess it's going to depend on, on your team situation, but, you know, I think we've spoken, especially at the start of the season, um, when Man United and Man City weren't playing in game week one, you know, do you want a, a premium asset on your bench? I guess if they're tested positive for, for coronavirus and might be self-isolating for one or two weeks, would you put a premium asset on your bench? It's a tricky one, isn't it? It's so, it's so hard. I think we're going to come on to this a bit later um, when we look at something against the tide. So without trying to be too specific and, and break into that territory too much, I guess I'd say if you know, if if you can trust the sources that you're getting your information from about the injury or illness of the, of the player in question and you think that you can kind of ride out one, maybe even two, um, if it starts to get longer than two, maybe you want to do a transfer. But if you can ride out one or two weeks, maybe, yeah, you can you can afford to kind of bench them if, if you're if you're if you've got other options and um you, you know it saves you making that free transfer or possibly even a hit of a of a minus 4 then it's 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 possibly sort of worth benching them i guess you know when you've got more long term injuries or even if there's uncertainty around the illness or whatever it is in in the situation of the player that you're talking about then maybe you do want to um 
sort of move them out. And actually, also, there's 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 probably plenty of fantasy managers who are a lot more sensible uh, with their team selections than you and I, Chris. And so they're very happy with the structure of their team. And actually, they they only need their one free transfer a week to make that transfer out of of, of any given player. So perhaps they're perhaps they're happy. I'd say for me, that's definitely not the case. And I you know I imagine probably for a lot of managers that in any given week there might be more than one transfer they want to make. So if you can kind of hold on to that free one and uh, you know rely on the fact that your player might come back in a week or so then 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 maybe that you know just sort of grit your teeth and bear it and, and bench that player for a week yeah yeah absolutely makes makes sense to me i think yeah just just final mention i guess really would be um for, for those all important press conferences uh you know we, we say look out for them every friday generally which is when they take tend to take place um but this week feels more important than ever, particularly for for those Liverpool fans or FPL managers that have invested in in some Liverpool assets. Um, let's crack on then with some players on the radar, um, and let's start with the other side of Merseyside. Having spoken uh, about Liverpool, um, with, with with two Everton assets in, in Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. I mean, I think we've spoken about DCL a fair amount already this this season and came off our radar because he sort of became a bit of a must-have. Um, Everton then obviously went through, or have been through, a bit of a rocky patch uh, in terms of their form, but that's been down to their own injury crisis um, and also Richarlison um, picked up picked up a suspension um, and they don't tend to do very well when he's not in the team, but he is is very much now back and Everton look back to full strength and also have some some good fixtures. So, I mean, is it is it, is it time for, for these players to kind of go go back in teams or, 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 you know, if, if you, and if you were to get one of them, which one do you think you might end up going for? Yes. So I think, uh, I think definitely with, 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 with DCL, I think we've seen the consistency and the performances from him um, over, over a large uh, number of games this season. And whilst we did kind of highlight that Everton didn't have the greatest fixtures coming up and they dem- generally don't look as balanced and, and as good attackingly when Richardson's not in the team, um, you know, he is, he will be back now and the fixtures are turning. So we, we've, 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 we've sort of forecast this for, for a while about um, this, this very point when that, that coincides of Everton's fixtures turning a bit nicer and Richardson coming back from his three match ban. So, You've got Richarlison himself, who could well be a good option. He he was involved in plenty of sort of touches in the box before his suspension and and you know assists and goals and and whatnot. So might might well be a good differential option. But of the two, I'd certainly say Dominic Calvert Lewin is definitely one to be to be thinking about if he's not in your team already. Because yeah, we, we've seen he's he's a good finisher this season and he's getting the service when he's got all those other assets around him. Obviously, we've also got. Um... How much Rodriguez, who obviously, you know, again, we've spoken about a, a fair amount uh, on, on this pod already this year. Um, Luca Dean as well. I mean, would we be doubling, tripling up on, on Everton assets? Or do you think that's a, 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 a bit too much, bearing in mind the next three uh, of Fulham, Leeds and Burnley? Even before Richarlison's suspension, I wouldn't say I completely trusted Everton's defence. They've, they've let in plenty of goals this season. So I wouldn't... I can see that obviously Dean's got a, a, an attacking threat and even Michael Keane, for example, has, has scored a few goals this season and had a decent attacking threat as well. So I I, I, I can see those arguments, but I, I wouldn't personally probably be looking at any defensive Everton players probably to, to put in my team. So that would almost rule out the triple up. Um, double up, possibly. Uh, I think... you. 
James Rodriguez at his price has, has obviously been a good investment for a lot of people. And although we don't know, and again, the press conference is going to be key to sort of look at here. It would be interesting because obviously he was having a few injury problems before the international break. So whether he's managed to kind of come through that a little bit, I don't know if he went away on international duty, to be fair. So that would be something to kind of look out for. Um, but he, um, if uh, if he has, that's, that's obviously a negative against him. But, but, Perhaps there's a, there's an argument for one of DCL or Charleston and and Hammers if you, if you're going to double up, but um, I don't I don't I don't know. I think I think I'd focus more so on on Dominic Havert Lewin personally. I think Hammers Rodriguez is still a decent price, but there's there's a couple of question marks there. Fair fair enough. Uh, let's move on then to another team that play in blue. That is you know one of the most tenuous segues I think I've, I've I think I've uh, done on this pod. Um, Leicester, they also have some, some some decent fixtures coming up, have been relatively impressive in some of their games this year. Do have Liverpool this week, but I guess you'd argue that this might be the best week to play Liverpool, such as such as the state of their injury crisis. Um, so let's focus on on, on a guy that, that, that did very well for you last year in, in Jamie Vardy. And, and I'll kind of just give this one straight to you to, to, to talk about how wonderful he is and what a great prospect he could be for FPL managers in the, in the coming weeks? Well, sort of er- earlier in this season, we were kind of questioning, particularly at his price, uh, obviously he had a price increase, w- would he be worth that extra extra money? And now he's, I mean, Liv- Le- Leicester have had a lot of penalties and a lot of Vardy's points have come from, from penalties. So we've got to be a little bit kind of careful when we talk about his um, his value as as an asset and people detractors would point to his low xg numbers when you take the penalties out of the count but over the years vardy's been someone who's never had a high xg you know he's someone who doesn't get many chances and not even necessarily get loads of good chances but he's a fantastic finisher who puts them away when he does get them he's clinical so um i wouldn't worry about that too much he's 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 obviously in good form and very rested he you know he retired from england duty deliberately for reasons just like this to be fully fit and like ready to go um when leicester games came around after international breaks so yeah generally um leicester's fixtures coming up look good as well so it's another reason to kind of keep an eye on him and and actually the one blot on that kind of upcoming fixtures was potentially liverpool away and then with the absolute decimation of their defensive options um over obviously van dyke a few weeks ago in, in the premier league but but others since then uh, many others almost the whole back four now out over the international break um you know even against the first choice liverpool back four you wouldn't necessarily back against vardy so with, with most of them out and liverpool having looked generally less good at the back this season anyway uh there, there's definitely kind of options there for him this week and going forward yeah, he he does kind of notoriously have a, have a pretty good record against against the big six sides and uh, and yeah, you know, a team like Liverpool, um, like you say, you wouldn't you wouldn't back against him anyway. Um, but 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 when they're missing so many so many key players, particularly defenders, um, there is there is the sort of potential for him to have a field day or, or, or you know some of Liverpool's more understudy defenders making a bit of a clangor and and giving away a penalty. Like you say, Liverpool, uh, Leicester rather have had quite a few penalties this year. Vardy hasn't taken them all because he has has been subbed off a few times. And I know Tillemans is is a guy that's guy that's had a few, and I think Vardy missed um, he's, he's missed, missed at least one this year, but. But he, I mean, this is this is probably the worst bit of analysis you'll hear on football this year, which is um, saying something considering some of the pundits that we get. But I just love how hard he hits the ball. It, there's nothing more simple, but 
but more satisfying than 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 watching Jamie Vardy absolutely smash a penalty down the middle, and and and, and for that reason, um, I think I think I think you've got to love him. Whether you put him in your FPL team or not is obviously entirely up to you. Um, as I said with Vardy, he you know he's uh, holds a special place in your heart because of how well he did for you in in, in your team last year. Moving on to a player that's had to do a fair bit of convincing for both of us over over the years, but but has uh, everyone's singing his praises at the moment in in Jack Grealish. I guess um, performances for England aside, Villa's fixtures and just how talented he is um, is is he becoming a must-have in in FPL terms? So yeah, I mean he was someone that even not on the podcast just privately between me and you Chris but even but a little bit on the podcast we I personally had kind of really had little faith in I think we we'd said like at his peaks he's a, he's a great great player he he can he can offer a lot on the pitch and in fantasy terms but I was very much not convinced on his ability to produce consistently um and from both a performance point of view and a fantasy points point of view um but but these uh recent performances just before the international break were you know he's he's looked he's got on the ball a lot he's had a lot of touches he's 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 created a lot of chances but then for England he's obviously uh, there'll be Villa fans probably screaming being like oh he's always been like this but for me at least watching him play for Villa I hadn't seen it consistently but but these England performances he's played played in all the games and been you know arguably England's best player potentially in all three if not at least two out of the three so I think he's he's very much demonstrating that consistency now. Whether it can last or not, I mean, I, I don't know. But at the moment, at least, he he's showing it over a, a large number of games regularly. So that added into what, what we've mentioned plenty of times is that Villa's fixtures between now and Boxing Day um, look pretty good. So at his price point, you know, still below eight million for a for a player who's so much of the game goes through him, it's um. It is someone we should definitely be be thinking about at the very least on the radar, if not in teams. Um, so yeah, like you say, below eight million, he's seven and a half. Wilfred Zaha is another player that we've spoken about endlessly on this podcast, and Palace also have some good fixtures. If you like, if you had to pick one, are, are, are we leaning Grealish? I think I think I would, but it doesn't take doesn't take doesn't seem to take penalties. So is, is that perhaps something where where people would go Zaha? Like if you were going to go for one, which one perhaps would would be your guy? Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a, it, I I feel like I trust um, I feel like I trust Grealish more from what I've seen. I know what you're saying about him not taking penalties. Um, although over these last four, I haven't got. Grealish's stats to hand, but over the last four, that those last four game weeks, that kind of burst between the last two international breaks, if you like, um, Aston Villa have created the most chances. The, the high, they have the third highest expected goals, so the third most chances, the third best opportunities created, if you like, looking at it from an XG point of view of of any team in the, in the league over that in that those last four game weeks and the, the period between the last two international breaks from open play. So sort of excluding penalties, which means that all, despite the fact that, you know, Grealish isn't on penalties, he is at, I don't like I said, I don't have his particular numbers, but he is at the heart of a lot of those opportunities that, that Villa create. And that's you know they're higher than Man City. There, you think about the number of goals Tottenham has scored, but Villa are even higher than Tottenham as well, even in that and Chelsea. So, yeah, it's um, 
I think I think he's someone though though basically the stats and the eyes there are both saying that the, the their show, that's a pattern of despite the fact he's not on penalty something that you can trust chances that he will be involved in that he creates or scores. And then I guess another another question just to I guess continue to put you on the spot. Um, you know, I think when we've spoken about Villa players before, we've lumped Grealish in with Watkins um, and and with Barkley in, in midfield. I mean, Grealish is one and a half million more than Barkley. Is he is he worth that outlay? Yeah, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky question that his his output so far this this sort of season would I think suggest so. Um, although although Barkley has uh, did did was involved against against Arsenal actually again I can't remember now was it a goal or an assist I can't remember in the end but he was definitely got points against um against um Arsenal in in other games but I think for me it it Barkley's one of those where he seems to score goals from like miles outside the box with like a really low xg um that that you can't rely on whereas um with with someone say like Grealish he's he's um consistently involved in a lot more opportunities so would i think probably is worth that outlay more i mean on on fpl they they do have a, a sort of value if you like um metric which which tells you the kind of uh you know pro- pro- points per million essentially sort of 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 the players um and and Grealish is is higher than Barkley now it's a bit unfair because that's over the course of the whole season and you know there was a fair few games before Mark Barkley made his his loan move um so so I it would be interesting to kind of compare that I haven't got uh, you'd have to do that manually so um to, to kind of check in his last few game weeks since he's been at Villa Barkley what's the difference between the two but certainly over the course of the season Grealish has absolutely been very much worth the the difference in price there so and the and the stats, like I've said, in the eye test would 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 back that up. I suppose before you were making the comparison between him and between Grealish and and Zahar at, at Palace, and um, like you say, I guess what Zahar's got is that he is on penalties, so you've got to kind of take that into account. But I, I but it's probably the England bias, but I'd lean still towards Grealish. Fair fair play. Uh, and then let's just mention that briefly one more, and this is a guy that that the regular listeners to the pod will, will know that we've mentioned many times before, but we're going to bang this drum maybe just one final time uh, for Diego Jota at, at Liverpool. Um, I think you know, our arguments about him before, Andy, would just primarily that he's good value even off the bench, um, but when he does start, he's, he, he's, he's well likely to, to grab a goal, um, and he's proven that so far this season, but we think he's likely to be almost certain to start this weekend, particularly with, with, with Salah out and, and some of Liverpool's defensive, um, sorry, some with some of the Liverpool's injury issues. Um, so, so, so yeah, I mean, we've highlighted him before as a, as a guy that, you know, even if he's just kind of come off the bench, he, he might get a goal, but but we think he's likely to start this this, this weekend. Um, so, so, yeah, almost a bit of a self-explanatory pick, but, but, but one that we thought we better mention. Yeah, like like you say, we've we've said a lot about Jota recently, but we almost felt it was like remiss not to at least highlight him, especially given Salah's out. So we said on the last review show about how Jota played it with Salah and Mane and Firmino against City, which was a bit of a surprise, um, and it and it sort of worked. So even if they were all fit, there would we'd still be thinking there's a chance he might start. 
And then when you add on top of that, that we are happy at his price that, you know, he, you, he could still get returns off the bench because if he didn't start, he'd be very likely to come on given his form. So, you know, he's got good returns off the bench as well. And then for this week and going forward, when you add into that, that Salah's obviously, like you say, had his positive test. So just makes it look even more likely that Jota probably will actually start his price. And I don't know what, exactly what he's gone up to now. Maybe he's at 6.5 again now, but still just ridiculous to be in that kind of Liverpool attacking unit at that price. So has to be, well, I think in people's teams now, not just on the radar. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely definitely one for consideration for for, for me this week, and I, I know I know he is for you too. Um, let's leave it there then with players on the radar. We will take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will be putting our swimming trunks on and swimming against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore Lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back. So, Andy, we have a slightly different swimming against the tide this week in the sense that we've picked two players to to focus on we feel that these two are pretty intrinsically linked um so i will i'll set this one up for you really mohammed salah obviously has a positive coronavirus test and as such half a million fpl managers have got rid of him but is he potentially worth keeping and then equally bruno fernandez uh, half a million people have brought him in he is the most transferred in player in the game this week but uh, you being the cynical Man United fan you are, can't really trust many Man United players. And I think specifically when it comes to Bruno, not sure if he's worth the financial outlay. I guess we think these guys are linked because if people are getting rid of Salah, maybe Bruno would be the guy that you're going to bring in. Um, so unpick this one for us. And, and, and why do we think that, that maybe Salah's worth holding on to? And why do we think that, that, that Bruno's maybe not worth investing in? Well, so I guess when we looked at both of these options in their own right, we thought there's an there's an argument that we could swim against a tide tide on both uh, separately. So for Salah, um, like you've said, we can't we don't know whether it's going to be one or two game weeks that he'll miss ultimately because of this coronavirus thing. That that's unclear yet. If it was two maybe there'd be a bit more an argument. I'd still be unsure. I'd be weighing it up whether I need to get rid of him or or just hold for now. But if it's one, then then definitely, I think, just kind of save your free transfer, try and, like I say, grit your teeth and get through it for a week. Um, and with, with, with Bruno, we, you know, I, at 10.5 million, despite the fact he scored a couple of goals in the last game week, which I think is influence, influencing a lot of these transfers in, um, you know, I, I, you just can't trust Man United generally that you know the way that they've been inconsistent over a, a large period of time and when I guess I say over a large period of time because over a run of six seven eight nine games they t- tend to either be good or bad like project restart they were good for a large chunk of time and recently they've kind of been not very good for a lot for a reasonable number of games in a row um but when you but when you even that out over the course of say you know two, a third or two thirds of a season 
you, you know, they don't have one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game. They might have five or six good, then five or six bad. So you, that's not great. You, that's not something you can really trust. But then when you add in the fact that Bruno's 10 and a half million, you really, do you want to be paying that for someone that you can't trust? I think another layer of that mistrust for me on Bruno is that United against the lower, you know, lesser ranked teams is the games they found it harder. They, they tend to do better against the good teams and away from home. And here, this is the classic game that United have struggled in under Solskjaer and to be honest, frankly, since Ferguson's left at home against a team like West Brom. So, you know, I, I can't trust them enough to break them down and, and produce a good performance in that game from what I've seen. Um, and then another layer of mistrust in whether Bruno's worth getting in for ten and a half million or any United player really is that even in the games where they have done well against smaller or bigger teams, the, the points have generally been like quite shared out. So obviously in the last game week, like I say, Bruno got two goals and assist, um, did well, but that's just one sort of single game week. When you look at like project restart and the games uh towards the end of last season united had a pretty good spell got plenty of fantasy points but they were very evenly shared out across a lot across quite a few players bruno probably was the foremost of those but it was fairly evenly shared out so you're kind of almost in a lose-lose here with bruno in that if they if united do perform well he's the most expensive of a bunch of assets who have a relatively even chance of scoring points but if they don't do well he might well not score points and it's a lot of money to be investing in someone who doesn't so almost on both counts there Salah and Bruno we had questions over why you'd get rid of one and why you'd bring in the other but then I'll, I'll pass on to you Chris we kind of noticed that perhaps these two things are linked yeah, I guess I guess it goes back to, to what you said at the start of the pod. You know, if you have a team that you're very happy with, other than Mohamed Salah's positive coronavirus test, would you transfer him out for Bruno Fernandes at home to West Brom? Yeah, probably. And I don't think we can particularly blame managers for doing that. I think, and I think this is perhaps where where this is, like you say, where this is unlinked. You know, would you want to get rid of Mo Salah, knowing what you know, knowing how good a fancy asset he is, using up a valuable transfer, free or otherwise, um, to, to to get rid of him when you know, chances are, unless he suffers from 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 long COVID, um, he's going to come back and he's going to be going to be the Salah of old again. Um, I don't think I'd necessarily want to make that knee jerk move. Um, likewise, you know, I think you made a really good point about Bruno. Um, particularly last season, but last season he was probably the cheapest way into Man United's attacking, um, uh, attacking assets. And, and, and he was, you know, slightly outperforming, um, you know, Martial and Rashford uh, as well. So, um, I mean, he wasn't necessarily the cheapest because, because Greenwood was, was incredible value towards the end of last year, but, 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 you know, Fernandez on penalties, um, you know, obviously help, obviously helps his case, but, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, I guess ultimately us swimming against the tide here, would be saying unless you're in a perfect situation where you're very, very happy with your team and this is just one easy free transfer to make for one week, then we don't think that that, that we'd really make it. I think is, is that is that a fair way to, to sum it up? Yeah, I mean, we're about to potentially massively contradict ourselves when we talk about captaincy here. But, uh, but you know, because as a one week punt, obviously Bruno on penalties at home against West Brom, 
I can very much understand an argument from a lot of people that that's maybe a, a decent a decent shout. And especially like you said, if it's if you are happy with your team and you're just doing this one week thing because of COVID, Salah to sort of Bruno to targeting West Brom. But generally, if you're just looking at this as we're saying we are going to swim against the tide because we think bringing bringing Bruno in over a number of weeks, given the trust issues we have in in Man United, isn't necessarily um, a kind of a kind of great move for the for the for the money. Yeah, I think I think again, you know, looking a little bit further ahead, further ahead, um, and 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 if this was if you were thinking of doing this in a more permanent way. Um, you know, Man United's next three after West Brom, Southampton away, West Ham away, Man City at home, and then Liverpool's next three after Leicester this week, when in theory Salah should should be back, um, is lo- lo- looks considerably more more rosy. Brighton away, Wolves at home, Fulham away. Now, who would you rather have over those three? I think I'd probably go go Salah. There is obviously naturally a question mark over whether he will return. Um, you know, return to training um, and, and and whether whether he'll start, but but you know on the on the face of that, unless I've got any guarantees that that Salah's going to be out for, for for more than just this week, um, I don't think I'd be I'd be sort of pressing the button to get rid of him unless I had the perfect situation where I did there, where, where there were no other transfers that I could possibly make and this was a purely one week proposition. And I think even then, now this is a one week proposition in terms of making the transfer to Bruno, then you, you know, who knows what could happen this weekend with other injuries, other coronavirus uh, results. And then you'd have to make another proposition and all of a sudden you're lumped, you're lumped with Bruno. I mean, there are, there are worse players to be lumped with, um, but it's, it's considerably more difficult then to get, to get Salah back. So, so yeah, I think in terms of swimming against the tide, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly comfortable with, 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 our decision making, um, and obviously when Bruno scores a hat trick at the weekend, um, we'll have to we'll have to defend defend this. But but yeah, you know I would even even if he does, I think the proof will be in what Salah does over over the four games after, rather than what Bruno does against West Brom at home. Exactly. Yeah. Let's crack on then and contradict ourselves as you alluded to um, by talking about captaincy uh, in game week nine. Um, and where better to start than uh, at Old Trafford with Bruno Fernandes against West Brom? Well, quite just to just to make that just to highlight that um, that contradiction. Um, I think I think the the point here is that we have established that West Brom, um, you know, do concede a lot of opportunities. I think we mentioned a couple of times that there was a bit of a feeling that maybe Ivanovic could help sort of tighten up that um, that defence, and you know. In fairness, um, the XG West Brom have conceded in from open play. In the, the, I mean, this is a very surprising stat. Over the last four game weeks in open play, West Brom have conceded the lowest XG of anyone in the league. So maybe this contradicts Bruno as a, or any Man United player as a as a as a fantasy option. But look, over that that's you know. You've got to look at the teams they've kind of played against. They've obviously kind of played Fulham and, and others in 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 that stretch. And over the course of the whole season, which is like a bigger sample size, um, they they have um, they've conceded quite a few sort of more opportunities. So yeah, it's um it, it West Brom have let in a lot of goals this season, and um, the 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 games that. They, they've they've played in they they um, they haven't looked great at the back so 
Bruno, if you have him, we've said about the reasons to not have him maybe, but ultimately if you do, captaincy is a one-week thing. And uh, if you do have him, he's on penalties. United are at home. He, he looks like a good option potentially. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think, I think, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If you have him, I think he probably is one of the better picks this week. I think, I guess, swimming against the tide is, is, is us saying, don't reach for him. Um, and and I'd, I'd, I'd be careful about getting him in over Salah as a long-term prospect. Um, so can I, can I, can I? Yeah, I just want to say as well that I am um, a complete numpty because the point I was making about. Uh, West Brom's expected expected goals there. I complete I completely messed up because that was I was looking at the area expected goals created from open play rather than expected goals conceded from open play. So they haven't conceded the least over the last four game weeks. They had created the least over the last four game weeks from open play. They've uh, they're sort of mid table on 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 expected goals conceded over the last four game weeks. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess your point still vaguely vaguely stands. Like, but like you say, their last four. Um, Burnley, Brighton, Fulham, Tottenham. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, you, you know, those teams in themselves aren't the most creative Spurs aside. Um, so, so, so yeah. I mean, obviously going forward for West Brom is is, is perhaps the, uh, the 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 one where you know the, the bit that you have to temper. But 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 yeah, perhaps defensively not not as bad as we as we think. Um, you know, and 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 to, to make Andy feel feel a little bit better in in terms of how. How he feels like a numpty. I haven't just po- pointed out that West Brom are creating virtually nothing. Um, I did lobby him a few weeks ago to put um, Carl and Grant on the radar. So well played, Andy, for, for talking me out of that one. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's group two more captaincy picks together. Then um, we've spoken a little bit about Everton already on on, on the pod. DCL versus Fulham. Um, I guess hashtag always target Fulham uh, might be a good one here. But again, we may have been put off. DCL over the last few weeks had he been playing Fulham without Richarlison without Hammers um, but this week seems like a bit of a bit of a get right game for, for Everton in general and then also Werner versus Newcastle um, again I'm you know I guess some fancy managers because those two aren't the, the most expensive strikers um, people could have both so would you have a preference uh, out, of the, out of those two? That's a that is a tricky comparison, I think. Um, yeah, I mean the I'd I'd probably lean towards DCL, like you say, because of ha- uh, hashtag pro- pro- target um, target Fulham, but um, but obviously Chelsea, we were absolutely raving about Chelsea before the international break, and although it looks like Lampard has said Pulisic won't be won't be fit. Um, Again, so maybe that pushes Werner out left still, um, as as did happen before the the international break. Werner still scored and is a clinical finisher um, from from being having played out left. So um, there's nothing to say he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily produce again. Um, I suppose that that makes an argument though for someone like a Tammy Abraham who could well play at number nine against Newcastle for Chelsea with lots of people providing for him as a bit of a left field shout. But obviously Ziyech. Uh, had a fantastic game week. Um, I think we even mentioned him in in like top differential chat, but certainly he was on the radar for the couple of weeks before the international break, and has got to be probably in in people's thinking again here. 
yeah i guess i guess maybe maybe the the, the pro for Werner might be the fact that he there's a chance he's going to end up on penalties um it seemed that, that, that obviously before the international break lampard alluded to to Jorginho maybe not being on them um and i think we said this about Werner um after the last international break and in the sense that he had a pretty good international break and then yeah lampard still shoves him out on the left which doesn't make a lot of sense to me but 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 as as i think we said on a, few, on a few preview pods ago, you know, Tammy's definitely giving uh, giving Lampard an, uh, enough to think about with some of his performances up top. Um, and then let's round off with, with, with two more. Again, we can group these together because it's Mane versus Leicester and Vardy versus Liverpool. Um, I guess maybe these two are slightly easier to pit against each other. But, um, you know, Mane, I guess we're, we're highlighting him in lieu of Salah. Uh, I guess you know, Salah would be a guy that we talk about in terms of captaincy almost every week. Um, but Mane perhaps is, is, is Liverpool's premium attacking option going into this week. And then and then Vardy, as, as we highlighted in our, on the radar section, a guy that's got a good record against good sides, but Liverpool's defence is, is decimated with, with injuries. Yeah, I think uh, we've, we, you've, you've almost always got to mention someone from Liverpool, haven't you? They're, they're, they've been so good, scored so many goals over the last few years in the Premier League, especially at home, which they are this week. And with Salah not there, some weeks we've got a Salah versus Mane debate. And so with Salah not there, it would seem like Mane is a really good option. Um, Leicester have been it's kind of patchy. You know, some some games have looked really resolute in de- de- defensively. And then other games, you know, they conceded three at home to West Ham. And, and there's been other examples of conceding goals. So, so even against the best defence, you wouldn't necessarily back against Mane. And so against one where you've got questions... You can't rule Mane out, but then if it's kind of a either or, you know, in, we're here comparing Mane and Vardy, or although obviously you're also you're comparing them to all the other captaincy options, I'd have Mane a little bit perhaps lower down the pecking order. Um, Vardy, like you say, you know, he, he he's on penalties. Liverpool's defence is completely decimated. Um, so there's an argument. It's it's a close one, but I think there's an argument, probably strong argument, that Vardy would be above would be higher in your thinking as a captaincy option, having had that rest, you know, he hasn't played obviously over the international break. He's in decent form, scored plenty of goals, is on penalties against a defence in Liverpool who've looked shaky, even with their first choice players, let alone now, you know, they've had, they've got a lot of injuries. So um, yeah, they're different players in different positions. Depends who you've got on your team. I'd probably, if you've got both, I'd maybe go Vardy over Mane, but, You've got. To, I'd lean more towards one of those ones we spoke about before, like the um, DCL or Chelsea player option, than, than maybe a Mane if, if I've got that choice this week. And obviously, you know, we, we haven't mentioned any City or Spurs players because they're playing each other. I mean, are they options at all? Would you say this week, or, or would you still 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 well clear? It's hard to tell. I mean, from from a fan, from a Premier League point of view, obviously, Leicester, uh, Tottenham have been in really good form recently and and scoring. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of goals. Um, so uh, City haven't looked like, you know, the most, was it, was it Leicester who put five past them? You know, it's not like City have looked the the greatest at either end of the pitch, frankly, this season. Um, although there was a, there was an announcement today that maybe dispels some of the rumours we've been throwing around about Pep and whether he, whether he cares or not, um, you know, that he, he has actually signed a new two-year contract. So his contract was due to expire at the end of this season, but he's had extended another two years onto that. So, um, you know, maybe his heart is still there and he, he does want to win things with with, with City. Um, 
but uh, it's uh, for this particular game week. I don't know. They've they've not clicked, have they? Really, um, City this season. And it's hard um, for either of those teams really when when there's when there are other options. All, all their players are good enough that they could prove us wrong, but it, it seems like a, a, a difficult one to, to to pick any of those players. Let's finish then with a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? For those of you that don't know, in alternating weeks, Andy and I pick an FPL player that is owned by at least 5% of managers and we the other person has to guess who it is. We get five clues and if we guess it after the first clue, we get five points after the second clue, four points and so on and so forth. Current standings, uh, I am just leading 10-8, but I've had a few a few up and down weeks, one week where I got it after the first clue and then in the most recent effort from me, didn't get it at all. Whereas Andy started to claw things back and this week is me picking a player for Andy. So without further ado, Andy, are, are, are you ready to go? I am. I guess I would just add to your description there of how we do this that I am. You're not going to tell me whether I get it right after each clue. I just have the opportunity to stick or twist on the player I've got. Uh, something we've been trying out in the last couple of weeks to allow you guys at home to kind of continue to play along with us. Um, and so, yeah, I'll get the points relevant to when I last stuck on the correct player. That is so, that is correct. And as Andy says, yeah, do let us know how you get on at home with with this week's player. So so let's start then uh, with clue one. It is this player's second season in FPL. He has already exceeded his points total from last year. Who the heck is stat? Right, it's their second season, is it? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's better than it being their first season because it gives me, it, it, it. at least I know that they, that they haven't, play you know just suddenly arrived in the league or something like that um that that would be quite difficult or um or a breakthrough player so second second uh season in the league if they've already outscored the number of points maybe they broke through last season or they were majorly injured last season or something like that I mean, someone I know who's definitely um, who 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 who's played a bit, who's played consistently this season, who broke through at the end of last season, is Tyrick Mitchell. So I think I'm going to go for him, Tyrick Mitchell. Okay, no problem. Let's move on then to clue two. This player registered attacking returns in each of his first three games, but has only registered one more since. Who the heck is stat? Mm. Are you going to stick or twist then on Tyreek Mitchell? Attacking in turns in each of his first three games. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm fairly confident that he he didn't do that. So I'm I'm probably going to twist. Where to twist to though? Oof. Attacking in turns in each of his first three games. And all and already got more points than last season. Okay. This is this is tricky now. I can't even. I can't even. There's not even players because it, it's got to be if all even if they've got plenty of attacking returns and they kind of just milled along. I suppose they could have been on the bench or whatever last season, but um. 
uh you know they must have they must have not played much or they must have joined late um oh this is tricky i mean ah there's there's well there's a part of me that's thinking no it can't be someone like lookman um because you know saying that they got more points than last season could be just be like lookman got no points last season cause he didn't play in fpl although it is his second season because maybe because he's might have played Reverton in a previous one um so that might be a cheeky trick one i'm happy but, to clarify that it isn't a trick question in the, in in that sense at all he, he did yeah. play in fpl last year well i wouldn't uh, yeah i probably wouldn't have even i wouldn't be going for him because i just think uh he, he won't have that many points this season anyway so um yeah, then uh, there's, oh God, who else might have played to, at some point last year that's playing a bit more regularly this year? I guess that's the thing I've got to go off because to, to have more points and have three attacking returns. So they're doing the, someone who's done very well in the first three games. Oh, sort of just coming into my mind is James Justin because he played a little bit for Leicester last season, but not loads. And he had, he did get some attacking returns because I've had him in my team. So I know he did get some attacking returns towards the start of the season, but obviously he's a defender. So is that risky? Or, I mean, this episode has gone on for a while and I'm really struggling to think of options here. So I think just for the sake of that, I will say James Justin, I'm going I'm pretty sure it's not Tyrick Mitchell. So I'll twist and I'll, I'll say James Justin. Okay, so that's James Justin at clue two. Clue three, in terms of this player's value, or I, I just I'd listen to this one fairly carefully if I were you. In terms of this player's value, i.e. their points over their price, this player is better value among his position group than Stuart Dallas, but is worse value than Arthur Masuaku. Who the heck is that? Right. So, so, so that is a defender then. Um, better, say that again. Better value than Stuart Dallas, but worse than Arthur Masuaku. I guess the question is, do you stick or twist on James Justin? Mm, I, f- I feel like I've probably got a stick, but I mean, cons- well, but then I. Mas- oh, I don't know in terms of I think Dallas and Masawaku are both quite high on the on the kind of value thing um, so that would suggest it, I mean I suppose Justin could be up there but it, it's making me think someone like a Cresswell um, because he's got quite a few points but obviously costs a bit more so could well be below someone like a Masawaku um, but oh, I'm not sure if Cresswell even played in all of the first three games, let alone got attacking returns. So I think it's, yeah, I, I can't be sure on that. So I think, I think probably for the sake of like the gamble of the extra point I'd get, I probably have to just stick with at this point with Justin. Okay. No worries. Uh, clue four then. This player is his team's second highest fantasy scorer so far this season. Who the heck is Stat? Ooh. Yeah, again, these... Yeah, it's always hard when you're making the clues. I'm the most revealing. It's, it's tricky. The second highest, they're a defender. And they're the second highest. So, 
a team that might have kept a few clean sheets. There's not really been many this season. Um, but he's also high on like the value front. It's, this is this is this is hard. I mean, maybe someone like a Burnley player who they've kept a couple of clean sheets recently, but they haven't had many attacking returns. So a defender might be high up on there. Don't forget that this guy did get three attacking returns in his first three games, oh, and, has, and has one since then, but only one since then. Well, you didn't tell me that, but um, oh, so that I thought I thought I did. So sorry. Well, um, maybe... yeah. So clue two: this player has registered attacking returns in each of his first three games, but has only registered one more since. And maybe you did say that. I don't remember. I was. I only remember you saying the first in his first three. Maybe I just fixated on that. Okay. Um, but only one since. Okay. Um, uh, but so he is a defender. Did return in the first three. <sighs> what defenders return in the first three? Oh, this is tricky because I bet you it's one of those where you sort of kick yourself when you hear because for a defender to have returned in the first three games. Attacking return, particularly. Um, yeah, yeah, I did specify attacking return. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. It's quite that's quite unique, really, for a, a defender to be getting three attacking returns in the first three games. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to run through. In is it in in the first three games they played this season, or the first three games their team played? Um, but both. Right, yeah. Um, so, trying to think of teams at the start of the season then that... Well, I mean, obviously, Everton scored a lot of goals, but, uh, you know, would there be one defender who had three attacking returns? I'm not sure who else sort of started the season well. Obviously, both um, Liverpool had a good run at the start of the season, but I wonder if their players will good on the value front I don't think they would be necessarily because they're also expensive uh, not had many clean sheets um, it makes you think someone like a Robbo I think I've got a vague memory of him doing all right at the start of the season but he's obviously quite expensive so whether he'd be up there on the kind of value front I don't know mm, there's gonna be a lot of people at home who've probably turned off by now because of how long this episode is anyway but let alone me just pondering through these options uh, I'm really unsure. I mean, I guess again, the question is, do you stick or twist on James Justin? Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm just going to have to stick because again, I know obviously Robbo hasn't played in only two seasons, and I'm trying to again. Cresswell won't have done. So uh, yeah, I guess I was forgetting that. When I was thinking of those. So I've just got to. I probably just got to stick on. I, I'm not convinced he got three in all of the first. Uh, you know, attacking return in all of the first three games. But I think I have to just stick with him. So stick with Cresswell. Oh, sorry, stick with James Justin. Yeah. Okay, so finally then, clue five. This player probably owns the penthouse suite in Andy Case's stable of FPL boys. <laughs> Not really an FPL-related clue, but I think I think that's made me twig who it must be then, yeah. And I'm surprised, even though I like them, that it was an attacking return in each of the first three games. But obviously that makes me 
makes me lean towards Tarek Lamptey. I think what you've done here is, particularly with that first clue, not produced some great early clues and then just like made it ridiculously obvious in the last one, which I'm not sure those things necessarily even each other out. But um, yeah, obviously I've got I've got a twist at this point to uh, to Tarek Lamptey. And that is a point for you. It is indeed Tarek Lamptey. So yeah, it is his second season, um, but obviously he didn't play a lot last year either for Chelsea. Mm. I think he moved to Brighton in, the, in, in January, didn't he? Um, oh, did he? Ah. I think so. I might Don't quote me on that, but I think he moved there in Jan. Um, but I think he yeah, made, made his debut for Chelsea, I think, in December, then moved to Brighton in Jan and played slightly towards the end of the, end of the season. Um, but yeah, has already exceeded that from this year. Um, did get three attacking returns in his first three. Didn't get loads of points, though, because Brighton conceded a lot of goals. I think he got booked. So, yeah, did um, and I, th- I think I think his his assists that he got were, was him winning a few penalties, which got you excited, didn't it, at the start of the season? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think the value the value clue in hindsight was, was quite hard. Actually, Dallas and Masuaku aren't that high up on on, on defensive value, um, because they haven't registered uh... that many points. But 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 yeah, he he is around six points six points per million. Um, which 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 is interesting, um, and yeah, but like you know, right at the top, uh, 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 some of the, some of the some of the bigger bigger FPL hitters, I think like you know your Konzas and, and the guys that have scored goals. I think Kurzuma's top of that. Um, here's his team's second highest fantasy scorer this season. I, I think I think the more and more you said James Justin, the more and more I felt this was actually quite unfair because he did apply to a fair, almost apply to a fair few of these clues. I think he got an attacking return in his first two or two of the first three. Um, I think he is joint third, but one point behind his team's second highest fantasy point scorer. Um, so, so yeah, you, you really weren't far away with James Justin. But, but yeah, Tarek Lamptey's behind, obviously only Neil Mapai. Um, and and absolutely owns the penthouse suite in your stable of FPL boys. So um... well, obviously that's the, that's the clue that helped me get it. And you know, as you've been talking, I'm looking at his value, and even amongst defenders, he doesn't even break like the top twenty barely. So oh. it's not that wasn't the most amazing of clues that one particularly. No, um, yeah, I think I think he I think he must have played for Brighton last. I don't think he played for Chelsea last season. I think he did. He must have played a few minutes for. For, for Brighton but but yeah that was that that that's a fair enough one because I could have and should have known, known that but yeah tricky it was was tricky and interesting that Justin got two out of the first three yeah I mean I remember him doing well early because I felt glad about the fact that, that I had him but it was hard for me to especially with that new incentive we've got of like the stick or twist it means when you have got one that you suspect could be you know the right one although you're not 100% sure on it it's it the value of like obviously if it had been James Justin I'd have got four points out of it right for guessing on the second clue so tricky yeah yeah absolutely and like I say looking back in in hindsight he does he does apply or at least very almost apply to most of these clues so so it definitely wasn't a bad guess at all um so yeah, I guess fair play for that, but but unlucky for not 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 being not being him. Anyway, as as you say, I feel like um our, I can almost feel or almost hear our listeners dropping off um in their droves. Um, so so we better wrap it up, wrap it up there. Um, Andy, if people want to tell us how wonderful my who the heck is stat clues uh, were, how can they do that? Well, they can get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And we would be, if you've managed to stick with us this far, we really would be keen to hear from you. And we feel, I feel like you might be someone who'd be willing to do that because you must have a lot of sticking power and patience. 
yeah and and absolutely you know you need all of the patients to to to, to be listening to, to us ramble on about fpl every week um we did a, a twitter poll in the week so we, hopefully we're going to be doing a few a few more of those um we got got a bit of engagement on that which is which is great um so yeah and and considering andy and and i both met doing doing polls for a living um i feel like twitter polls should should should, should be should be our bread and butter really so, so i think we'll be doing a few more of those so do look out for them on the socials otherwise obviously do rate review subscribe and share wherever you get your podcast from it really is useful uh, to us and 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 helps us uh us has become become known to, to more and more people so so thank you for those those that have already done that so andy until tuesday Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.